listening to this week's Lefevre CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website, lefevrecfc.com, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash lefevrecfc. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, well, what a very relevant topic to start our year off than faith. So we're going to be looking over the next four weeks at what faith is and isn't, and I've uh, had free reign to sort of talk about whatever aspect of faith I want to talk about today. And when I started thinking about this topic, I had a, a very clear idea, and I spent a lot of time on it, and as of this morning, it got thrown out at the last minute, because God sort of took me on a real journey with understanding what faith is and isn't. So I think for me, during this whole process, I've sort of tidied up a few things theologically, and I hope what I share will be a real encouragement. So I'll start off with a question, how much faith do you have in God or in Christ? How much faith do you have? None? Some? A lot? Interestingly, in Scripture, all of those uh, levels are covered from people that have no faith through to people that have great faith. And I wanted to hone in on what Jesus said about faith because he talked about it a lot. Uh, I made a decision that I was going to look up uh, how Jesus used the word faith uh, throughout the Gospels, and there were several hundred of uh, occasions where he used that. So it created a bit of work for me. Um, but I found some interesting stuff which I, I'm looking forward to sharing with you today. Um, so if we can fire up the uh, PowerPoint. Oh, this is the old one. So I think you're going to have to drive for me, uh, Caleb, if you can go to the next one. So always important to look at uh, the origins of the word that we're looking at. And uh, the word used for faith in majority of the New Testament uh, is this word pistis. Um, now you'll see up there, if you can read with me, it says, it is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. It's a revelation from God. Now, for me, that was a revelation in itself because we use terms like, Lord, give me more faith or I want to have more faith. Well, this is actually saying that God is the one who gives faith. So it's not something you can drum up, you can't muster up more faith because that leans on going towards, I've just got to, you know, be more uh, hopeful, I've got to be more wishful. But that's not what faith is. Faith is actually something that God gives us, it's a gift from Him. And the word is very different for belief. So sometimes we interchange the word faith and belief, like, I, you know, I believe in Jesus, I have faith in Jesus. They're actually two very different things. And if we look through scripture, we'll see that there is a clear distinction between what faith is and what belief is. Because if we talk about belief, there's that emphasis back on us. Oh, I believe this, I don't believe that. I kind of agree with this, my thoughts are this. So belief comes back to us, whereas faith is something given to us by God. Thanks, Caleb. So we'll look at one of the key scriptures that explains this. This is from Ephesians 2, uh, made alive in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So if we break that down, it's telling us that faith is a gift from God. So faith is a gift from God. Whenever we get faith, it is a gift from God. And it is a gift. It's not something that we earned God didn't look at us and go, that's a really good guy there, I'm going to give him faith and I'm going to call him to follow me. Faith isn't something that we worked out on our own. It, God actually gave us a revelation and it all made sense. And I don't know what your story is, but I remember being on a camp as a nine-year-old and someone was preaching the gospel and 
it's like they say, the penny dropped. This just all of a sudden made sense. This was no longer stories about David and Goliath and Solomon and all of that stuff. It was like, this makes sense to me. I understand why Jesus came and why he died for me. So this verse makes that very clear to us, that faith is a gift from God. If we can go to the next one, thanks, Caleb. This is from Hebrews 11, which is kind of known as the great faith chapter. And there's this little subheading, faith in action. And I'll just read this very early part from Hebrews 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, Hebrews 11 is a very long chapter. It goes through a huge number of examples of people that exhibited great faith and how their faith led to actions. Um, but here we see faith, what it is, boiled down to. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So as we pray for things, we don't know what the answer, we, we, we don't know what the answer is going to be, but we have an assurance that God is there and God is working. And also, I guess, as Hayden said, we've got this life and then we have the life to come. So it's also an assurance that, you know, that's a scary area for a lot of Christians to imagine what eternity is going to be, what eternal life is going to look like. But that's what faith is. It's the assurance that God is good and we will be with him in a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, for, and God is, nothing is impossible with God. If God has given us faith, we've hit the jackpot, okay? We've hit the jackpot. We have come into relationship with the creator of the universe and he's called us to have faith in him. We no longer have to faith, uh, have faith in ourselves. We don't have to have faith in our family. We don't have to have faith in our job. We don't have to have faith in governments. We have faith in the creator of the universe and we have access to him to talk to him. And so things in the natural, we may not have evidence of that they're going to happen, but in faith, we believe that we have an assurance of it that it will come. Next one, thanks, Caleb. So when I looked at uh, the disciples and what their call was, what the things that Jesus sent them out to do, the disciples were sent into the world to drive out impure spirits, to heal the sick, to make disciples, to baptise, to teach, and through all of that, that they would trust God to provide. And so that was the disciples' call, but in many regards, besides the following Jesus around for three years, we have many of those same um, things bestowed upon us, that we... Uh, God's workmanship and we are called into our world to carry out those things to drive out impure spirits to heal the sick to make disciples to baptize to teach and through everything that we trust God to provide so those are all things that God calls us to do but what about the day-to-day -day life what where does faith come in in our day-to-day -day life well there's actually a really good scripture about that one as well if we can go again thanks Caleb so this is 1 John 5 and I've used the message translation here which I really like Every God-born person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. That's a cool verse, and I love that translation. It's really good. Brings the world to its knees. And it's not through what we do. It is just a simple belief that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, it doesn't just stay there. Once we have that revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, that changes how we go about our life, how we go about the everyday. So it's not a passive belief. It's a belief that we have a daily position of whatever I'm faced with, I can go to the Son of God and ask for his intervention and I can have assurance that he is with me, he is for me. That's, that's something that we must carry with us. So no situation in life should seem hopeless. No mountain 
should seem too big, if there's relationships that we think are too damaged and too far gone, if there are health diagnoses we've been given that seem devastating, we can bring it before God just like we saw all those people through scripture do. We saw blind people come before Jesus. We saw people that had had issues for many years come before him. We even saw dead people come before Jesus. Not much hope you would think there, yet Jesus reached out and healed them. There is no position that is too hopeless and Jesus will respond in each and every situation that we bring before him. Interestingly, in the majority of those interactions, faith is mentioned. There is a reference to faith and we can learn a lot from how Jesus carefully uses his words. And I learned a lot looking into these stories and learning how Jesus used the word faith and who he spoke it to and how he spoke it. So let's look at the first example, which is little faith. Thank you, Caleb. So little faith, you would think that that was used with the people that weren't godly, the sinners. No, he only ever used little faith in reference to the disciples, which is really interesting. And I've spoken about this before, but when we look at the use of hell, when Jesus spoke about hell, he only ever spoke about it to Pharisees. He never spoke to it uh, about it to sinners. He only used it in reference when he was talking to the disciples. And interestingly, the only people that he ever referred to having little faith were his disciples. So there was four situations where he talked about them having little faith. There was the story when they were in the boat and there was the wind and the waves. There was the story where Peter came to walk on water. There were examples of God's provision and also of healing where Jesus said to them, you of little faith. In Matthew 14 verse 31, we have this little bit. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. This is when Peter was walking on the water, trying to walk on the water. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now you might look at that and go, we should give Peter a free pass here. Like walking on water is not something that anyone had ever probably done in the history of mankind, except that Jesus had just done it right before his eyes. And Jesus called Peter to come to him and Peter, his faith was weak. It was little. Now you might say, well, I'll give him a pass on that one. But that's an example where Jesus said, you have little faith. Matthew 16, verse eight, uh, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you have little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? So again, there was some background here. This was after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and then the 4,000 and the disciples were still going on wondering uh, about what Jesus was sort of talking about bread and they didn't quite understand the context. And yet uh, Jesus was saying to them, you of little faith, you've seen two examples where I provided out of nothing and you've still got little faith what you're seeing in front of your very eyes is not moving you there is no faith being stirred here so little faith is used in this uh these scenarios now again if we look at the word here it's it comes from that word pistos and it's oligopistos which describes someone who is dull to hearing the lord's voice or is disinterested in walking intimately with him now that's very telling the use of that word someone who is dull to hearing the Lord's voice. So there is an implication that when we're stirred to faith, we're stirred to pray, we're stirred to respond, that the Lord's voice is a part of that. So sometimes there are situations when we hear of something where we just feel that urge to pray. Quite often that is God giving us faith and saying, here, go and pray, I'm filling you with faith. And there's also a mention being disinterested in walking intimately with him. That's really interesting. That, that's suggesting someone who's not really interested in the relationship side of it and that's a challenge for us um we'll go to the next one thanks caleb oh you're a busy boy up there with the camera as well <laughs> thanks mate uh lack of faith 
So Jesus used the term lack of faith several times as well. And this was used in reference to the Jews in his hometown, as well as the disciples. So again, people that knew him, especially his disciples. Now, the context, there was two scenarios here. One was where Jesus was in his hometown preaching in the synagogue. And there was another situation where he appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. So if we look at Matthew 13, verse 58, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. That's really interesting. Their lack of faith meant he wouldn't do miracles there. And then if we look at the next one, Mark 16, verse 14, this is when Jesus has reappeared, uh, when he's been resurrected. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So we know there were people who gave an account that Jesus had risen from the dead, that he was walking amongst them, and the disciples didn't believe it. Thomas had to see him. So another few examples here where people have a lack of faith. And uh, we can look at the, uh, the, the Greek again here just to get a bit more of an understanding. There's actually this tie-in of, of a hardness of heart. And it says uh, in one of the, uh, the translations, the hardness of heart is because of a lack of moisture or lubricant, an obstinate hard heart which lacks the oil of the Holy Spirit and hence implies rebellion, i.e. someone refusing to be receptive to God's inworking of faith. So there's a hardness of heart here about a lack of maybe wanting to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. In the story in Matthew when he was in the synagogue, the Pharisees were just kind of like, isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't he the son of Mary and Joseph? Like they were kind of just putting doubts on how could this guy be someone who can perform miracles and perform healings? So there was a hardness of heart towards Jesus, which meant he wouldn't respond in those situations. So I want to jump out of the Gospels just for a minute and go into Romans for a really, uh, another really interesting look at faith. If we can go to the next one, thanks, Caleb. So this is from Romans 14, verse 2. And it says, One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. Weak faith... Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll leave that there. So it's a very interesting scripture there, and I once used this wildly out of context. I was on a, a missions trip with some young guys, and one of the other guys, who was a very good eater, had a go at me about my diet. And uh, we got into this debate, and it became a debate where everyone kind of gathered around and listened. And I basically shot him down using this scripture, because I said to him, your faith is weak, because you only eat healthy food. The scripture's telling us that we should eat a lot of junk. And he was just like shaking his head, couldn't believe what I was saying. Um, that's not what this verse is about. Um, I guess what this verse is about here is that the early Jewish believers were going through a huge change of mindset. They were being told that all of these laws that you've been used to following and having to obey to be made right with God, they're kind of out the window in some regard now. And now it's about faith in me. You're justified through faith. And so a lot of people working out which of these traditions, which of these religious activities, was it okay to not observe anymore? And so what Paul's saying here is that uh, there are some people who have, have grasped that it's just about faith now. Uh, that some of these laws and keeping all of these laws isn't as important. But he's saying to be fair with those people. Some, of, some people have their religious traditions that they're tied very strongly to. And as long as they're not harmful, and as long as they're not using them to say, this is what makes me right with God, then be fair with them, be gentle with them. But that's what he's talking about. So there's this talk here about not allowing your faith in God and your salvation to rest upon works and observing religious traditions and all of those things. And I've just added there, weak faith is shown through a reliance on ourselves or our deeds for God to act. So sometimes when we pray, 
this creeps in. I don't know if you've prayed for someone for healing before and you've given God some good reasons why he should heal this person. Like, Lord, they're just such a lovely person. They always help out when we have a working bee. They always, you know, help out on the coffee after church. Like, God doesn't need those things. He'll just heal because he loves you. (laughs) He doesn't need the checklist of things that need to be ticked off. So that's an important thing, I guess, to understand with this scripture here. More fully, this verse is showing that our faith is to be in Jesus and what he has done, not us obeying a bunch of rules, uh, trying to convince God to answer our prayers. Our faith rests in his goodness, not ours. That's where it should be. So let's look at now where Jesus uses the term great faith. Who did he say had great faith? Surely this was the good disciples. Let's have a look. Great faith was used exclusively for what I would say were everyday people and probably the two great examples were the centurion and the humble Canaanite woman. So the context here was someone who needed healing and someone who'd been under a demonic attack. And if we look at Matthew 8 verse 10, this is in the story of the centurion, Jesus says, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now this this has driven some theologians crazy over time. Why would a centurion who was seemingly not a follower of Jesus be declared as having the greatest faith in the entire Israel? What was so good about his faith? And unless, I guess, you come from the point of understanding that faith is a gift from God and someone who gets that gift of God very clearly, that is where great faith comes. When we take out things that interfere with that reliance on God, like reasoning and like through justification and all of those things, when we have just a clear understanding that God has given us the faith to believe, that is what great faith is. So if you know in this story, the centurion firstly was humble, said, I don't deserve Jesus for you to even come under my roof. Uh, Just say the word and it will be done. I'm someone who, when I say something in the army, it gets done and I know you're the same. And he was like, wow, this guy's got it. This guy that doesn't come to church every week, doesn't come to synagogue every week, doesn't maybe read his scriptures every week, he understands what faith is. And boiled down, that is all faith is. And that's a huge encouragement for all of us. Faith is only receiving that gift from God and fully embracing that he is the son of God and trusting in his goodness. So this can be very challenging for us as believers. He didn't attribute great faith to disciples or Pharisees, but seemingly to everyday people. It has come down to his revelation and his gift from God for this centurion that Jesus had the authority and that he meant and he knew that Jesus could do anything. There's a challenge for us to have that same faith. I don't know how many times you've prayed for something and you've had that nagging thing going on the back of my mind. Oh, this is a long shot. Oh, this, I don't know about this. That happens. That's normal. That all happens to all of us. But the call is to have faith in God that the Son of God, Jesus, came and has conquered sin and death and sickness and all of those things and that we can receive healing, we can receive answers to prayer through all of those things. Let's finish up with Hebrews 11. Thanks, Caleb. Hebrews 11, faith in action. So that faith in Christ, that faith in what he's done and what he wants to do uh, is, is outlaid very heavily in Hebrews 11 where Paul goes and looks at all the great examples of faith. And I've just picked out some of the... Uh, signs of faith that he points out. He points out Abel and Abraham for their generous giving and their sacrifice. He talked about how their faith led them to give generously, uh, how it led them to sacrifice. Uh, We look at Abraham, Noah, Moses' parents for people that their faith led them to supernatural obedience and trust despite the cost that they knew would come. We look at Isaac and Jacob who prayed blessings and trusted God that he would provide for their future generations. 
and it goes on and talks in, in that text that our faith speaks to the world. Our faith has generational impact on people around us, that faith that we have. I think I've got another slide there, Caleb, if you can jump ahead. So, where do we need a fresh touch of faith today? Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe there's relationships that are broken, that are damaged, that we need restored. Have faith. Take the faith that God gives you as a gift and proclaim it and receive that and believe that a miracle can happen. Maybe it's for a healing need. Maybe there's a diagnosis. Maybe there's an illness that's been battled with for a long time and it just needs faith provision maybe for God's provision we have many examples through scripture of where God just provided for people supernaturally start 2023 I guess as Hayden talked about we get excited about all the things that are coming or we worry about all the things that are coming let's start this year with faith and a very simple boiled down faith to Jesus I know you're the son of God I know nothing is impossible for you I have faith in you like you have faith in the father because that's what Jesus calls us to do he doesn't call us to muster up faith he calls us through the Holy Spirit to have faith in him that he has in the Father. If we can go to the next one, Caleb, as well. Um, these are ways that we can put our faith into action as well. Uh, so there's obviously that, that claiming of faith in our lives and the lives around us, but faith should lead us to generosity, sacrifice, going deeper into obedience and trust, stepping into the new, stepping into the unknown. Maybe it's bringing justice around, God giving you the faith to go out and bring justice to a situation or maybe it's encouraging others. You know, our faith, it's one that we probably don't think about enough in church, but our faith, a great faith, encourages others around us. I was at uh, the 36ers game on Friday night and uh, they brought a young fella out to take a half-court shot to win a 1000 bucks. And the, uh, the MC went up to him and said, how are you at half-court shots? And he said, perfect, I got this. And I heard that and I was like, wow. Now, we just seen this guy shoot some three-pointers and he was pretty good. And I just immediately thought, he's going to hit this shot. And he uh, strutted back, got lined up, went up, threw it, didn't even hit the backboard, completely missed. But it was amazing what that faith did. To me, now, this is not the, the best example, this isn't tying back to God, obviously, because otherwise that would be really wrong, but it's amazing what great faith can do. He had faith in himself, and I'm sure that as he went to take that shot, he felt that he was going to hit it. And as I watched him, having just seen him hit some three-pointers, I thought, yeah, I reckon he's going to hit it. Now, it was completely wrong, but it's an example of what faith can do. And, you know, in the church, this is a, a, a key part of our gathering together, fellowshipping together, for us to have great faith for each other, because sometimes we turn up here and we're feeling flat, and we're down and we need faith we need a fresh touch of God's faith that fresh revelation and so we're going to get a chance to do that today I'm going to um, close in prayer and then we're going to pray for two um, pretty big situations that require faith now when I say big situations that doesn't mean they need more faith they just need faith okay but we're going to pray for them afresh today um, so I'll close in prayer and then maybe I'll, uh, I'll explain